Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Construction Corner Podcast. Once again, schedules take over, so this week it is another solo episode with yours truly. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. Today we're going to kind of revisit a topic that we've talked about before. In fact, I think I did a solo show uh, specifically around this um, probably a year or so ago now. It's revolving around the holes in the boat theory or analogy in, in business. And real quick, I've, I've talked about it at length before, so I'm not going to dig too deep. But the, the idea is when you're in a real small boat or a real small company, uh, there are certain things that, that come up that you, that you recognize that you're failing to do correctly. Those are the quote-unquote holes in the boat. They can be minor things, and typically they start as minor things. But what can happen is those minor things, when the boat starts getting bigger, the proverbial boat starts getting bigger, the business starts growing, those holes, those little holes stretch out to the point where you start taking on water. And if you don't do a good job of patching those holes, repairing those holes, making sure they don't come back, well, you're bound to sink. And nobody wants to sink in a boat out in the middle of the ocean. So that's the holes in the boat um, topic, analogy, really, in a, in a nutshell. And what I've realized is really every couple years um, since, I, since I started running the business, every couple years I have to get back and revisit this topic with my employees because, you know, we're growing. The, the, the plain truth of it is we're growing at a really rapid pace. We're controlling it. You know, we're not being stupid, but we are growing very rapidly. And with quick accelerated growth comes quick accelerated problems. And so that's just what you have to do. You got to go back in. You got to have a, a uh, you know, a head-to-head, a, a meeting of the minds and get through this shit and, and fix it. And the only way to fix it is by just ripping the Band-Aids off and letting it bleed a little bit. It can hurt some feelings. It can put people on the spot. But the idea behind having a holes-in-the-boat meeting um, or sometimes referred to as a CTJ meeting around our office, I'll let you figure out that analogy. The idea is not to single anybody out and, and point fingers. The idea is to get to the crux of the issues, get them out in the open, put them on the whiteboard, put them on the table, whatever it is, and, and figure out how to fix them. Fix the holes in the boat move forward. That's it. it. It's it's cyclical, right? It's and it's it's real easy to understand, okay? We started small. 6 years ago when I took over the company, we were small. We were slow. Then we got busy. Then we got bigger. Then we started moving faster. And then all of a sudden we got lazy. Once you get lazy, you let your standards slip. When your standards start slipping, what happens? You get slow. All of a sudden the holes are there. The holes become more apparent. But every couple years we regroup. We fix them, we fix the holes, we plug the holes, then we get faster. We hold our standards. We continue to grow, and that's how we continue to succeed. And that's the same in any business. It doesn't have to be construction, but uh, it's certainly true in the construction world. In, in our um, circumstance, you know, in six years, we've, we've almost 25x revenue. And we've gone from two employees to nine employees, soon to be 10, 11, and 12. We've made some massive growth, massive changes along the way uh, structurally through our leadership, through our processes, through our systems, through the target markets we go after. I mean, everything has changed. We are, we are no longer the same company we were by a long shot six years ago. And so, you know, as I was – let me rewind. So we, we were having some issues coming up in, in the office, and, and they're, 
moderately small issues, but they're issues that if you don't take care of them, they, they become cancerous, they fester, uh, and, and nobody, nobody needs that, nobody wants that. Those are the holes in the boat. So I started writing down uh, an agenda to have this, this CTJ uh, slash holes in the boat meeting with my, my office staff. And to be perfectly honest, as I was writing it, I started off kind of pissed off. I was annoyed that I even had to do this. I was annoyed that, you know, we're making what I find to be seemingly stupid mistakes, easy to fix mistakes that we shouldn't be making. Um, you know, people weren't communicating. There was lots of finger pointing starting to go on. But then all of a sudden I realized, like, well, shit, okay, this is a cyclical thing. Every couple of years I've had to do this since I took over. And I think it's a function of growth, okay? When, when you start, you know, as a, when you start at a company that's already established and already, you know, at a certain level and they intend to stay there, it's frankly a lot easier than when you either start a new company or do what I did and, and take an old company and, and flip it on its ass and basically rewrite every, everything about it. Um, so this is just part of the growth. It's growing pains. It is is relatively minor shit, but it's stuff that if you don't take care of it, it'll kill you. So <clears throat> last week we um, we had our our CTJ meeting to talk about our holes in the boat, and that's what I want to talk about today. We're just going to go real high level over it. Obviously, I'm not going to name any names of of my employees, but um, the the basic premise is I I started listing all the stuff that I was seeing that was going on that, that needed to be addressed in some form or fashion. Some of it's easy, some of it's real minor, um, some of it was larger, and we'll kind of touch base on, on these as we go through here. So I broke it up into to really two sections, uh, three sections, but two sections of holes and then a section of uh, solutions and, or solutions or fixes. So the first section is, is what I call admin stuff, and we talked about things like email etiquette, file saving, um, you know, email like it, it's not, uh, it's not unusual for companies of any size to have issues with email. So much of what we do these days is electronic based. It's text, it's emails, um, versus just phone calls or in-person discussions. And so, you know, we have a rule kind of an, it was previously unwritten, just talked about now it is written. It's a 24 hour response rule. You, me, everybody in my on my team has an obligation and a duty to respond to any email that needs a response within 24 hours of receipt. And frankly, it should be even less than that, but uh, we're busy, you know, again, we're, we're actively growing, so there's a lot going on. So the rule in place now is 24 hours. If, if you can't respond within 24 hours, then either A, it doesn't deserve a response, um, or B, you're doing something wrong and you need to get your shit together and figure out how to respond to it. And there were some other topics we talked about, about, you know, um, when you do respond to emails, they need to be complete and appropriate responses, not, not single word, kind of aloof, um, bullshit, quick, quick hitters. But if there's a question being asked, answer the damn question. Hit on the topics at hand. Hit on all the, all the, the pieces of the pie, and let's get it done with. Email is a, it's an intrusive beast, right? It's a necessary evil in our, our world. We're not getting rid of it. But it can also suck up a shit ton of your time. So, you know, there's a difference, obviously, between email conversations or email communications and then just having a face-to-face communication, conversation with someone. Email communication can get really bogged down and really overwhelming if, if you try to treat an email communication as a face-to-face conversation. 
right? So there isn't a need to have 10 emails to talk about one topic. Have one email asking the question, one email answering the question, and then maybe a follow-up if needed. But there doesn't need to be the constant back and forth, and there certainly doesn't need to be the one or two word, you know, hey, thanks, emails going back. It just adds chaos and clutter to the mix. Email should be uh, non-judgmental. It should be non-emotional. It should be fact-driven. Ask the question, get the answer, done, move on. Delete the email, store the email, whatever your policy is, and just get after your next task. We do have a rule that, frankly, I learned a long time ago. Um, it was a rule at a, a previous firm that I worked for for a little while, and that is if you are dealing with a negative topic of any sort, negative is, you know, it's, it's subjective, obviously, but if there's a negative topic at hand, don't send the effing email. Pick up the phone and call or get a meeting and have a conversation face-to-face. Nothing good ever is solved via email that starts from a negative place. So if it's a project that's off track or off budget, um, if it's a, a issue on the job site, if it's an employee performance issue, if it's a, a lost client, things, any, anything that has a negative connotation, don't use email, okay? Just don't do it. And then finally, this is a really hard one for me personally, and it's one that uh, we strive to see you know, one of our, our mottos at Schaefer Construction is, is perfect and fast. And my employees either love it or they hate it. Um, but the idea is we need to be striving for perfection and striving for speed. And to do that, we have to keep our, this email managed. And, and one of the things we put into place is that we need to clean out our inboxes, at least weekly. That's a, that's a much easier thing to say than do. You know, there was days last week I was laughing with, with one of our clients I was talking with. Between Tuesday and Wednesday, I had 650 unread emails that came in. Now, not all of those are emails that require my attention. Some of them are junk, but I would say the bulk of 90% of them are emails that I have to read and either respond to, acknowledge, think about something. So to, to do that in the average course of a day while I'm still getting all my other shit done and my phone still rings and I'm still having face-to-face meetings and I'm still driving and you know all the, all the things that we have to do, it's a it's a task, but what I what I tasked my team with, including myself, is to take some time every week, take a half hour, forty five minutes, whatever it takes. Shut your door, turn off your phone, burn through your email inbox, respond to what you need to respond, delete what you can delete, and be done with it. I don't think that inbox zero as a as a theory is necessary, but you got to have it under control, because if you don't, then things get lost and you know, there's a large faction of people out there who will only communicate via email. They don't want to pick up the phone. They love having that paper trail. They love having somebody to point fingers at, typically is what it, what it really stems from. But regardless of what it is, we as, a, as professionals have to keep up with that pace. So we take a day now or take an take a hour or whatever it may be, get your inbox under control, clean it up, and then move on fresh to the next week. So the next thing is file saving. File saving is a it seems to be innocuous, right? When you have an important file, you save it. Well, what happens and what's happened at our company, what's happened at previous firms I've been at, um, is that you lose standardization. So we have a naming convention. We have a way that files are to be named when they get saved. This isn't a suggestion. This is a rule. This helps keep us all organized, helps keep us efficient, where the files get saved, what folder they go in, 
all of these things are, are things that help keep us efficient and help keep us organized. And that's really where we need to be to, to keep doing what we're doing. So we talked about that. Um, uh, budget summaries are, are a funny one for us. Uh, I have my own way of budget summaries. And, and frankly, it's the right way. And it's the only way. And, and I don't often put my fist down on the table and say, well, I'm the, I'm the boss. This is how we're going to effing do it. This is one of those items we talked about that that's just how it is. If you don't like it, tough shit. This is the way it goes. We create them this way. We save them this way. We name them this way. Done. One that we always have to keep going back and forth on, and, and this is one that I've dealt with um, in numerous times throughout my career, sometimes with, with literally catastrophic results, is reminding people to not cut templates out and not save over templates. We are a systematized organization. We have templates for almost everything you can imagine, and it helps keep us efficient. It helps keep things standardized. It helps keep everything looking good and, and looking professional. Without fail, every few months or every six months, someone will take, say, the budget summary template or the schedule template, and they'll work up their, you know, their task at hand, and they'll hit save. And now we have overwritten the template. We've turned the template into a live document that has now client information. We've removed the, the base template from our repertoire, and, and things just get messy. We've also, in the recent couple years, few years, had issues where people were trying to, trying to copy a folder or a file for one reason or another, and instead of hitting the copy button or the copy selection, they hit cut. This actually happened once, and our entire server was removed. The entire effing server, all of it was was removed, deleted. For all intents and purposes, it was gone. Now, luckily, I am anal when it comes to backing up files. We have cloud backups. We have in-house backups. I do my own personal backups every few weeks. So we were able to get 99.9% .9 of everything back. But it's a real scary feeling on Monday morning when you go to log into the server and there's not a server anymore. And it just came down to somebody was lazy as shit, not paying attention, not Maybe they didn't understand how to do it. Maybe they didn't give a shit. Uh, who knows what the real real issue was, but that's what happened. And it, it nearly collapsed everything. Now, again, these things are easy. Um, they're simple, rather, but sometimes they're not easy to make sure they're enforced. So along these same lines, we talked about document control. You know, we live in a, in a world in our industry where documentation is king whether that's construction drawings or documents, whether it's permits, whether it's meeting minutes, it doesn't matter. We have a ton of documentation that has to be organized, has to be kept up to date. We have to make sure that all of our people are operating off of the most current information at all times. And, and that is, um, again, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's not always easy. So that was another item we, we touched on. Next in the kind of overall... Um, subsections of the of the talk was what I call mindset issues. And these are issues that for one reason or another, it, it's really just born in the in the brain of the beholder, right? They're not structural issues. They are are ways of looking at things, they're ways of of blocking things out. But what can happen is it, it just detracts from the overall success of the group. It it's another hole in the boat that has to be addressed. It has to be plugged. So the first one we talked about was what I coined um, lazy busy. 
and eventually someday I'll write a book, and, and Lazy Busy is going to be one of the chapters. Lazy Busy, in, in my mind, is when, you know, we're always busy. We're all busy. Every single person in my organization is quote-unquote busy, and we don't wear that like some, some bullshit, you know, badge when it's not to say like, oh, God, we're so busy we can't handle this, and, and, or, or we're so busy we're, you know, we're busier than everybody else. It's we're, we're effing busy, right? We have a lot going on. We have a lot of balls up in the air. But you can't allow that to let you get lazy and use the busy as an excuse. So some, some examples of lazy busy are things like <laughs> we have a box of stools that we ordered to go around our new conference table. They're still in the box. They've been in the box for months. That's lazy busy. We have a pile of those old school 1980s plastic chair mats sitting in, in a pile on the floor from when we remodeled because nobody wanted to use them, but nobody took the initiative, myself included, to just throw the fucking things out. So they're sitting in a pile and they're slippery. It's like a, it's like a damn ice rink when you step on these things. Things like that. Messy offices. Messy offices is a giant pet peeve of mine, and I will, I will shudder to no end when I see it. But I'll be honest, when I walk into my office most times, I'm like, damn, this is a disaster. Now, again, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody except for all of us. We're all to blame for all of these things. We all can get better, and that's why we have these meetings as a group. Another mindset thing is attitudes towards projects and prospects. Listen, guys, construction is feast or famine. It has always been that way. It will always be that way, and that's just the way it is. Not everybody is going to agree or enjoy or support uh, at first glance every single prospect or project that we get involved with. My answer to that is tough shit. If you don't feed the beast, the whole company goes down, right? We can't operate without revenue. We can't operate without cash flow. So there are certain times when we do get involved in prospects and, and projects that may not be our our wheelhouse may not be our our overall target for our VTO that keeps us um, on our, our growth projection or our growth track to get to our projections. But sometimes that's just the nature of the beast. You, you just, you, you take some things that are there for a reason, right? Whether it's a, a quick boost to cash flow, whether it's a fast starting project that can get our labor force moving, get some people actually doing something. Um, there's, a, there's a million different examples I could put out there. But it's real easy to say, gosh, you know, this project sucks. This is a stupid little building or this is a this is a complicated mess. I don't want anything to do with this. This isn't what I would choose. Well, at the end of the day, it's what was chosen and it's what we're going after. And once that decision is made at whatever level it gets made at, whether it's me or or my right hand or or anybody, that's the decision. And we all need to be cohesive and on the same mindset as a team so that whatever uh, project we take on, whatever prospect we go after, we are attacking it just like we would everything else, just like we would our, our most favorite projects. So uh, we talked about attitudes. Working remote is a big one these days. Uh, we all live through the, the bullshit um, pandemic of 2020. And frankly, I take great pride in the fact that I took an office that was um, not used to using computers at a high level in any fashion, sure as shit, not used to working remote at all. And we took that whole office and we went remote for, I don't know, six months, 
whatever whatever it was. That's that's how I ended up building HQ2 here because I didn't want to sit at my kitchen table. But um, you know, we had people working at their kitchens. We had people, whatever you you most everyone listening lived through this shit uh, or remembers it. So we still have that option. We still have the technology available. We still have the resources for everybody to be fully remote. Quite frankly, there's really there's really very little that we do other than client facing interactions, and I've even done those remotely. There's very little we do on the office side that we have to be in a physical office or in person. Now, the flip side on that is there is very little that we do that is not done better when in person, face-to-face, in the office, in the client's office, uh, on the job site, whatever it may be. It's just the fact of, of reality, okay? You're not as efficient remote as you are in person. Now, that being said, we have a policy whereby if people want to work remote a day or so a week or a day every couple of weeks, whatever, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that as long as the train keeps moving. There is no slowdown allowable. There is no lack of communication allowable. And one of the things we've noticed is that when, when people work remote, especially for you know, a couple days in a row, sometimes that happens for various reasons. Um, you know, we tend to become a disbanded group of soldiers, and that's a dangerous place to be. When the reality is we all have cell phones, we all have laptops, we all have uh, webcams, we all know how to use Zoom and Teams and, and blue jeans and all the other shit. We all know how to make phone calls and conference calls and FaceTimes and, and all this stuff. So there's absolutely no excuse that we have any breakdown in communication if, if we're not all sitting in the same office staring each other in the pearly whites. So we talked about that. Um, and then a big one, this is, this is one that I think a lot of companies deal with, and that's why I wanted to bring it up publicly here. But the idea of standing meetings. So we have, quite frankly, uh, more than a few standing meetings every week on a weekly basis. We have a leadership meeting on Tuesday afternoons. There's a PCS meeting that happens on Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not a part of it yet. There's operations meetings that happen weekly. There's project meetings that happen weekly. There's there's all these things. There's finance meetings and accounting meetings, and it's all fine and good. They have a very high-level good purpose to them. However, when we get back to this whole busy thing, it's very easy to push certain meetings out of the way, reschedule them. Um, move them down on the calendar, switch them to the next day. And what inevitably will end up happening is that meeting will get relocated, rescheduled, pushed to a new day. Well, then the new day comes, and now you're just as busy. All you did was take another task that you hadn't planned for in your weekly planning session, if you remember a a previous episode, um, and you now take an extra task and stuff it into a day that doesn't have room for it. So what happens? Either that same task gets kicked again or something else gets kicked because of it. And this goes on and on and on until you end up not having the goddamn meeting anyways, and then you're back to the next week. So the rule we have is there is no rescheduling, there is no canceling, there is no me- no moving of meetings, of standing meetings. If the meeting isn't important enough to keep it and hold it, then don't schedule it in the first fucking place, period. Obviously, there is a caveat to this rule, and it, it's really more on the on the sales side, but if there's a client emergency or if there is a client meeting that that is called that cannot be shifted or, or scheduled around certain meetings, well, clients take precedent at our firm, at everybody's firm, they should anyways. Uh, without clients, we have nothing. So those are the only time when it's, it's acceptable to move a meeting. But even with that, the meeting should still go on. If, 
if there's one person who can't take part in it, then the meeting should still happen. And the other people who are in it can fill the missing uh, participant in later. Take notes, do meeting minutes. These are all things that we should be doing. But outside of those instances, you should not move standing meetings. And if you're moving them repeatedly, then you should just cancel the damn things because they obviously aren't worth anybody's time enough to keep them and hold them. So the next section was uh, what we call fixes or solutions. Um, and we'll breeze kind of through these because these are more internal to us. But we're going to start looking at more process-based checklists um, that, aren't, that aren't mind-numbing. We do have written processes in, in place, and they are very well thought out. They're very well organized, and they are very fucking confusing. They are long documents that are, are, are aligned and created to be really almost all-encompassing all encompassing rather of everything we do. They have a time and, the, and a place. They are how we can set up certain aspects of our company, but on a day-to-day operations level, logistics level, they're, they're difficult to, to operate from. So uh, in place of those, or, or in concert with those really, we're going to take those and break them down into easy-to-use, effort-based checklists. So for example, on the, on the PCS side, that's an easy one. We're going to have a one-page checklist for every PCS effort that we get involved in. And whoever is leading that that effort will be in charge of this checklist, and it'll be a list of, you know, 10, 12, 20, whatever it is, tasks, high-level tasks that need to be done on either every single effort or almost every single effort. And we are doing it old school. It's going to be on a piece of paper. You put your name on the top, just like you're in grade school. You check off every box as you complete it. And when you're done, you file it or turn it in or, or something and that way we have accountability. We have, and we'll get to that a little bit more here in a second, but we have accountability. You can go back and say, okay, well, did you do this, this, and this that's on your list? Yes, great. No, you fail. Let's go back and figure out why. So we're doing checklists. Um, staffing is a big thing that we're going through. I mentioned in the very beginning, you know, we are, are nine employees, soon to be 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, up to who knows where we stop. Uh, we just need to work on this internally and make sure we, we have the right people in the right seats. We have a couple key positions that we're actively looking for right now, um, but, but that's more of an internal projection type thing. And then finally, it, just an overall, an overall relevance of extreme accountability, kind of taking a page out of Jocko's book. Um, we all have to be extremely accountable for everything we are responsible for. We need to hold each other accountable. We need to hold ourselves accountable, and it's really as easy as that. It's a team-based thing. Do what the hell you say you were going to do, but also do what the hell you're supposed to do. Sometimes you know you're supposed to do something, and even if you haven't been assigned a task per se, you know it's supposed to be done, so just effing do it. And that goes for everybody, myself included. So we're we're pushing uh, an extreme accountability into our culture, and I think it's going to be a great thing for us. Finally, rocks. Um, we've talked about rocks in the past. You can go read Traction uh, by Gino Wickman and figure out what rocks are. But, you know, it's, a, it's looked at as extra work a lot of times. They're really not. They're, they're, they're items that are designed to move the person and the company forward in ways that everyday operations just can't, can't do. So we're, we're going back to a supreme focus on rocks. And, and all of this leads to the bottom of our, our list here, and that is, listen, We have to hold our standards, and we have to hold our core values, period. When we do both of those things, we succeed. When we don't, 
We don't. It's as easy as that. Hold your standards. Hold your core values. And, and that's, what, that's what the holes in the boat meeting is. That's what the, the CTJ meeting is. Again, it's, it's an uncomfortable thing for people who've never been through it. There's some uh, anxiety, I think, and animosity at the beginning. But we just had one last week. And uh, from a leadership perspective, I think it, it, it turned out really well. There was good conversation. There was, um, there was some healthy debate. You know, part this isn't this isn't a dictatorship um, in most cases. I'm I'm the owner of the company. I'm you know the guy ultimately in in charge of this whole boat. But I don't want to do it by myself. You know that's why I have people around me. That's why I've built a great team. That's why I continue to add great teammates to that team. So when we have meetings like this, it's important that everyone chip in and and offer their insight and opinions. And that's how we do these things. That's how we. That's why. That's how we're great. That's how we build better at Schaefer Construction. So, guys, that's what I got for you this week. Um, pay attention to the holes in your boat, right? They're pervasive. They show up. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. Every time you go through a growth cycle, you're opening up new holes, and you just have to be cognizant of those holes so that they don't get so big that you can't come back from them. So with that, guys, we have a big week ahead. Um, there's a lot going on. There's some power play moves we've got happening. Uh prospects and, and client meetings. There's a, a private soft opening for our La Casa project this week. Just a, a ton of stuff going on. A planning commission meeting for a new new project. Lots, lots and lots and lots in the hopper. Lots to talk about in upcoming episodes. Next week, we should be back with a, a dual episode, I hope. We haven't scheduled it out yet, but we'll see what happens. Um, do us a favor, guys. Share the show. That is how we keep growing this. We don't have ads. We don't charge you to listen to this marvelous content um, that you can use to grow your own business and, and shape your own businesses in the construction world. All we ask is that you share the show with your friends, with your coworkers, with anybody you think might gain something from this. Subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Leave us a rating. And check out our YouTube channel that we recently launched. We are dropping video episodes um, for most of the episodes we've done. So that's all I got, guys. Watch out for the holes in the boat. Fix them when they appear and everything will be just fine. We will catch.